Do you feel politically homeless, lost in the chaos of modern politics, not sure who to believe? Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Democrats call him a Republican. Republicans call him a socialist. He is Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. Welcome to the Man in the Middle podcast, season two, episode one. I'm Stephen Reynolds, your host, recording today from the historic WGNS studios located in the heart of the great volunteer state, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Well, folks, uh, it's been a couple of months since we've been on the air in our last podcast. We're happy uh, to be back for season two. And uh, first off, I just want to say to all of the people that have uh, sent me private messages and uh, Facebook messages, things of that nature, thank you so much for your support had a lot, a lot of phone calls. When's the next? Uh, when's the next podcast coming out? Thank you uh, for supporting this podcast. Uh, the reason why we waited a little while to start the podcast back is because we want to let a few things happen, like the impeachment of the forty-fifth president of the United States, along with his acquittal. That just happened this week. We've also had. Um, in the Democratic primary, we've had another election disaster in the Iowa caucuses. This time it's being blamed on technology, but I'm certain that some of the new procedures and rules probably played a role there. And we have no real front runner emerging from the Democratic primaries right now, uh, which, quite frankly, is concerning many Democrats. One thing that we have seen is the rise of Bernie Sanders again which has surprised a lot of folks uh, that Bernie's been able to maintain a lot of the uh, momentum they had from the 2016 election. And so um, uh, the Democratic primary is going to be very interesting to watch this year. So we're going to talk about that and a million other things on this podcast over the course of season two. I'm very excited about our first guest that we're having today. Uh, He is Rutherford County self-proclaimed libertarian. Mr. Gabriel Fancher will be joining me today. We're going to talk about the things that we have in common and a few of the things that we may differ on. But at the end of the day, we're going to walk out of here and shake hands and still be friends. And that's how it's done in this country, folks. All of this indecency has got to stop. I'm Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Man in the Middle podcast, Season 2, Episode 1. We're pleased today to have our guest, Mr. Gabriel Fancher, who is our resident libertarian here in Rutherford County. And um, Gabriel, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I know that you work at Middle Tennessee State. Tell us uh, what you do there at Middle Tennessee State. Sure. I'm the program director for the Political Economy Research Institute. Right. And so what we do is we bring on speakers and put on events for students to try to get them to think more about markets and things of that nature. Fantastic. Uh, you're a father. 
I am. I have, um, you know, I'm a part of a blended family. Right. We have seven children. Seven children, yeah. But five of those children have my DNA. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. It's a lot of kids. It is. It it's is. It's a big party all a- the time. Absolutely. <laughs> and get a lot of responsibility. And then, of course, you host your podcast, which I, is called Middle Ground. Sure. I have a Middle Ground podcast, and I also have a Facebook uh, page called Answer Fancher, and that's where, where you can find me on Twitter. And so uh, I'm really active on Twitter because I think uh, the more – more interested you are in national politics, it's all on Twitter. And so. It really is. And the, the, the Twitter verse, so to speak, yes. it's a completely different world than, totally than different what's world. happening in reality right. in a lot the, of cases. But The great thing about Twitter uh, locally is that not a lot of people follow it, right? right? So you can just blast something on Twitter and not get any local repercussions, you know? Right. So you feel right. good about right. it. You can get it off your chest and yeah. move on. Right. No <laughs> doubt, Gabe. Um, so tell me a little bit about your background, Gabe. Where'd you grow up? Sure. I'm from a small town in Kentucky. Uh, right in the center of the state, near Mammoth Cave. Okay. Um, you know, in, when you're from the rural areas of the country, you don't really say what city you're from. You say what county you're from. Right. right? So I'm from Hart County. Um, I, my high school's in Mumfordville, Kentucky. And, uh, you know, it's just a real small town. We were devastated by NAFTA. When NAFTA got passed, right, mm, yeah. the town hasn't grown any since then. Right. You know, so my family is, um, I mean, they're ardent Trump supporters. I mean, yeah. my brother threatened to beat me up because I wouldn't vote for Right. So I mean, you know, but I get it. And and the thing is that uh, Trump was really able to lay his fingers on the pulse of those people yes. that no one has talked to. No one has talked to about the issues that matter to them. Yes. And so they fi- someone finally comes along and gets it. Well, hell yeah, I'm going to fight for him, you know? So uh, I get it. Uh, right. And, and I, you know, a lot of us get it, Gabe. I, as you know, I campaigned for 28 months in sure. 16 counties. So and you know. Met a lot of Trump supporters, as you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. So, well, Gabe, I really appreciate you joining us today because of, uh, especially your podcast. I learn a lot when I watch your podcast, and I just want to congrats. It's not easy, first off, let me say, right? No, it's not. You know how much trouble it is to get people to come on as a guest, you know, and to right. find time and make time for it. And then you spend your own money doing it, you know? And yes. So it's a it's a hobby that costs money, you know? But It, it is, but it's a good hobby because I feel like we're doing it for the right reasons, I you know? Agree. It's a lot I better agree. than a boat or a... <laughs> You know, yes, a Corvette, I'd l- right? I like to think so. <laughs> right. Well, Gabe, one of the things that I respect about you, and I know you've studied extensively economics and what you do professionally, and uh, I like to start this show because you and I don't necessarily agree on all of the topics. Sure. But I like to start the show with something positive and something that we do agree on. Okay. So, Gabe, let's talk about the federal budget deficit. Okay. It's about $23 trillion now, I believe. So that's the debt. That I'm, I'm sorry, the right. debt. People yes. get that so confused. The, the right? deficit is the – right, with is, the budget. Right, right. The yes. deficit is like your annual, like what we ran short this year. Right, right. And right. Then the debt is like how much – you know, weight we're carrying around. Right. Know, like it's all of those years exactly. of not balancing the budget. That's right. Exactly right. right. Yes. So, uh, Gabe, I'm I'm really think that this is a national security issue. Sure. Easily, you can make that argument. Uh, recently, I read that uh, by 2028 that our debt will be approximately equal to the country's GDP. And I, I've heard those same numbers before. So, what would that mean for us, Gabe? Well, you know, we're in, we, you know, the, the old Chinese proverb, may you live in interesting times, right? right. We do live in interesting times. Um, you know, I worry about, I'm not really sure what it means, uh, but given you, you, 
you know, because I can remember Ross Perot talking about the debt, right? right? And how it was going to weigh down and cause us to lose jobs and stuff. And and I think it has caused us to lose purchasing power sure. with our dollars. Right. And so we see that in uh, the prices continue to rise on things, right? And so those people who aren't able to earn more money feel it the most, right? Ooh, absolutely. And so I think those at the bottom who really pay no attention to the debt, Right. right, are the ones that are harmed the most by it. That really makes so much sense of, of what's contributing to economic inequality in this country, which you hear a lot of people talk about. And what you're saying is, is one thing that I contend, is it, even with uh, uh, quantitative easing, essentially they don't call it inflation anymore, but it's inflation. It totally is inflation. I mean, so the what they use to calculate inflation are like, you know, basic goods that we use. For instance, candy bars, right? Right. But what they don't measure is the size of the candy bar. Okay. And I don't know if you guys remember or not, but when we went into that recession, the candy bars got smaller. The yes. prices didn't change. Yes. Or they, or they changed a little bit. Right. But the size got smaller right and so uh and now the interesting thing is you're starting because we're starting to see some food deflation occur where the and that's where the prices go the other direction Mm -hmm. and instead of prices changing the sizes are getting larger again right and it just becomes more difficult for middle class families to live to pay their bills without a doubt you know we get nickel and dimed everywhere we go right Right. you now you have a cell phone bill you have a cable bill you know Mm -hmm. whereas when uh, my parents you know were raising me they had the mortgage that's about it, right? right? You know, the light right. bill, you know, just right. very few simple things. And nowadays, you know, the middle class person is paying all these different bills and they all add up. And so at the end of the month, they don't have a lot left over. And most don't have anything left over. It, that's exactly right. And and that's one of the reasons that explains a credit card issue that we have sure. in this country. A lot of folks have a lot of debt on credit cards. Um, let well, me let, go ahead. I mean, as far as debt goes, a lot of companies are carrying oh, a tremendous amount. I mean, so like, so our, our uh, government is carrying a ton of debt, like you just mentioned, right? Yes. But our the companies are too. We only have two AAA companies left in this country. Wow. You know what two they are? Tell me. Microsoft and uh, Johnson and Johnson. Wow. That's it. And the reason is, is that uh, with rates as low as they are, mm-hmm. which ties to our debt, right? Because we have such debt, we can't pay higher interest rates. We control the interest rates. So what do you think it's going to be? It's going to be low, right? Right. And so um, so there's no reason to be AAA. Used to, to be AAA, you get a lower a rate. A lower rate. Right? So it makes right. sense to live sure. honorably, right? Right. You know? And uh, nowadays, uh, so many uh, companies are at triple B rating, which is right above junk. So that way they get a decent rate and but and can borrow still borrow at will pretty much yeah exactly well so you 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 touched on something that I think is really important about controlling the interest rates and these two things are kind of tied together um, is there a chance that we could go into a sovereign debt crisis if we don't get the debt under control. Well, you know, I am the resident libertarian, right? You are. That means That's it comes a- with a free, <laughs> a free, uh, you know, aluminum foil hat that you get to put on, you know, right? So people right. can't read your thoughts. But, but but I mean, it happens in other countries all over the world. It does. It, you're right. It has happened before. Yes. And it's happened in major com- countries before, right? right. And so uh, there's a book called When Money Dies. It talks about how the German mark. You know, and people that don't study history are doomed to repeat it, right? Yes. And so Germany, you know, what led to uh, Hitler taking over like he did, in my opinion, was that they had this crisis of money. And so when you had the crisis of money, people are like, 
that when you, people are hurting, man, they reach out for somebody that's going to give them a hand. Isn't that funny? That, now, that touches on something else I want to talk okay. to you about a little <laughs> bit right. later yeah. uh, when we talk about entitlements so, and things of that nature. So, but yes, yeah. it is possible yeah. for us to do that. But the issue is, the you know, the, the thing that um, most other countries have the luxury of that we don't is that when their money – when their money loses great amounts of value, they have something to switch to. Right. Right. And normally it's to our U.S. dollar. Right. Which is the world reserve currency. You know, when people, I remember people used to say they were afraid that the Bushes were going to try to make a global currency. And I'm like, man, we already have a global currency. Right. It's the U.S. dollar because it, you can spend it anywhere a, in the world. Absolutely. And so that's that's my next question. If, if there were to be economic Armageddon, sure. for lack of a better term. Right. You could have a sovereign debt crisis in addition to a currency crisis or basically losing the status of the world reserve. Yes, right. Currency. And, so, and we don't really know what that would look like. Right? But there are countries that are trying to move away from us now, like China, like Russia. No doubt. Yes, uh-huh. right. And, you know the Gabe. But the nobody th- can trust those guys, and that's their problem because they manipulate their economies. Right, right of course. And um, but you know the thing that scares me, Gabe, about the Chinese, their middle class is four times larger than the entire population of the United States. The numbers in China are like just blow your mind anytime someone mentions. You know, right. there are more Christians in China than the rest of the world. Isn't that right? unbelievable? Which, which is unbelievable because the church isn't really allowed there. Uh, right. right. You know. Right. But it's just the sheer size. Right. They, it's they produce more engineers in one year than the U.S. has in total. Right. So it's just, you know, mind-blowing. It, it really is. So so how do we control this, Gabriel? How do yeah. we get uh, – we have to have – now, in the late 90s, when Clinton was the president, the Republicans controlled Congress, <laughs> and we came out of the late 90s with a grip on our debt and very close to a balanced budget. My favorite president. And we right. were making a Bill lot of Clinton, progress. Bill Clinton, best president ever, if you ask me, man. And so. I don't want to do a complete history lesson. We know what's happened since then. Mm-hmm. The, so we put two major wars on a credit card. That's right. Six trillion dollars. That we obviously was a huge mistake. But my question is, is about the Republican Party of today. And I, I know that you don't necessarily speak for the Republican Party. But the thing that really bothers me, because I believe this is an important issue. We had the sequester going during the Obama administration, mm-hmm. and it was working. Why did they stop the sequester, Gabe? Well, you know, uh, it seems like when um, when the Republicans get in charge, they don't really worry about making smaller government anymore. Right? It's, it seems to be that way. And this is part of the way. reason I decided to leave the Republican Party. I mean, gotcha. I, was, I was in the local Republican Party. I've I risen as high as secretary in the, the county level, you know, uh-huh. and um, – I, I just felt like they were they were hypocrites on a lot of stuff, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and I didn't want to be part of that. And so that's what, you know, drove me to the Libertarian Party. I understand. Well, you know, in 2010, with the with the Tea Party revolution that happened in this country, that was the big promise. We're going to pay down this debt. That's right. Well, you know, people people know that debt is a scary thing. Yes. Right. They know that you can live a, a beyond your means, but right. eventually you got to pay for it. Absolutely. Right. And so, you know, someday we're going to have to pay for this. And that's where the term generational theft comes from. Totally. Yeah, because we're it's our children and our grandchildren that will pay back for what we're spending today. 
or maybe the great great grand. I mean, uh, well, the yeah, question the is how long can we get the, keep this thing going? Yeah, well, right. Th- that's that's why I'm bringing this up because no one is talking about this right now, and it continues to skyrocket, and we see no good faith effort from either party. Well, you know, so I had a college professor explain it to me one time that the the way the U.S. government works is kind of like a college student away to college living off student loans, right? right? And life can be very good when you're living on student loans, right? Spring breaks, right? Going out to eat, right? I mean, it's good living, you know? I did it for six years, I know. and But I also know that those bills come due. Right. Once I graduated, I couldn't buy a car, right? right. Could, couldn't live in a nice place, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I lived, uh, one of my first jobs, I, I was in Owensboro, Kentucky, and, you know, it's on the Ohio River, which is really pretty, but I didn't live anywhere near the pretty spot. And I was so close to the railroad, I could pitch a rock underhand and right. hit it when it was going by, you know? Right. I mean, it was real, real close. And so um, uh, I just know that those hard times are coming. But, you know, the interesting thing that I, none of us, I mean, I enjoy the lifestyle we have in the u.s i really do right and um but what about the rest of the world that's who we're really milking over here right like we're living beyond our means and they're buying our debt that that's <laughs> you know? right and so that kind of gets into the isolationism uh herbert hoover in 1929 i have these flashes from sure. history lessons of what we see happening today and what happened and so that's why I'm bringing this up, because yeah. right now the Republicans and the president are running on the economy. Uh, the stock market really is what they're running on. Sure. And um, Well, I, the economy, too, right? I mean, like sure. unemployment's super low. It really is, yeah. Uh, I think that, you know, the interesting thing about unemployment is uh, we have so many people that are not in the workforce still. Right. You know, and I know you wanted to talk later about Andrew Yang and why I support him. But yeah. in his book, he talks about how there are all these disability people on disability. Yes. Right. And, um, you know, a lot of those people are, don't leave disability until the economy gets really good for them. Right. To give up that free money. Of course. And so, you know, the so we keep somehow getting the economy better and better right now. And that's because wages are ticking up slowly and slowly. Mm-hmm. And the higher wages go, the more tempted people are to enter into that workforce. So. Yeah, and that's a great point. And I think that, you know, when you talk to bit, when I talk to business owners, Gabriel, what people tell me is we can't find anybody to work. They're all dying. They're, they're, well, they're, they're, they can't find anybody to work for the wages they're willing to pay. Well, that's a good point. And, uh, but but there's, it literally is just a lack of warm bodies. When you talk about demographics, we are at a demographic cliff in this country we do have some some headwinds we have some serious headwinds there we have a baby boom generation that continues to hang on right and i think that that has delayed like my generation's uh, ability to uh, move up the ladder and and, you're a gen xer like me right exactly i couldn't so when i heard you say that on your podcast i mean it really so i i just want you to know that's we're thinking along the same lines right once they do move out you're going to see this huge jump but i worry then we let inflation out of the bottle right like good does, point is that when the dragon finally gets out of it i remember sure. i was a kid one time and i remember somebody like one of those 
political cartoons, and it showed a uh, one of the Federal Reserve guys getting the dragon back in the bottle, right? Right. And then other people talking about how we need inflation. Right. And he's like, are you sure you want to let that thing out? You know what I mean? Like, And that's really how I feel. Are you sure you want to let inflation out? Yeah, yeah right, because it's one of the, you know, uh, and, and I'm obviously not an expert on this and haven't studied this extensively, but you look at the Carter administration in 1979. It was called the Great Malaise. Yes. And... But the GDP was actually a point higher than it is today. Wow. I didn't realize that. But interest rates were 19%. (laughs) Sure. So the economy was doing really well by those standards. Right. But interest uh, interest rates were through the roof because of inflation. And inflation was through the roof as well. And so it makes for, again, that hurts those that are at the bottom the most. Absolutely. One more question on this, Gabe. Okay. We're spending all of our time on this one topic, but <laughs> yeah. it's an important topic. I don't think folks realize how delicate the economy is. Um, the PAYGO. Are you familiar with PAYGO that Congress no. had? Okay, so uh, when uh, Obama was president, at the end of his administration, about two years before, uh, Paul Ryan passed a bill called PAYGO. Mm-hmm. And they had the majority. And basically that bill was that if you brought up any new programs or any new spending, you had to present a cut somewhere else. Okay. So it was pay as you go. Sure. So I, they suspended it for the Trump tax cut. Do you believe in the Trump tax cut, Gabriel? Well, um, I'm most of the time you're going to find that I'm in favor of tax cuts. Sure. Right, because uh, I'm in favor of very limited federal government, and so and limited government at most levels. But um, you know, the when you get when you dig into the Trump tax cut, there are a lot of advantages in there for special interest, right? Sure. And we can see that in Murfreesboro. I can give you an example of it. Uh, so there are areas, uh, these uh, geographical areas that were given to the governor. The governor is allowed to pick so many zip code areas and lower the taxes that someone would pay on the gains that they invest into that, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you get to New Salem, where all that building is going on right now, right, that's all in one of those areas that the governor selected. Would you call that corporate socialism, Gabe? Man, that's crony capitalism. Crony capitalism. Okay, absolutely. And that kind of goes along the lines of the tax abatements too, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm not a fan of either one of those. I just want it low and flat and fair, man. It's fair, like, and fair is a four-letter F word, so I'm very careful with that word. So, you know, uh, just want them as low as we possibly can get them. And then I think taxes should be across the board. Like, we we have small taxes in as many areas as possible, so that way people can't avoid them. Because otherwise they will. That's a great point. You know, one of the things that uh, Rutherford County Mayor um, Bill Ketron is talking about right now is the sales tax leakage. Right. That's right. Big, and, big issue. And and even our president has bragged about how he has avoided taxes. Sure. We don't really know. When you're rich, that's what you do. Yeah. And, and, and You hire accountants and they find you ways to save money. Right. Now, not to break the law. Right. right. But to follow the law to the letter. That's considered being smart that's what they right it is yeah. i mean you know it is right but the regular person doesn't have those advantages right can't go hire someone that can scour the you know the tax, tax attorneys code, right, right. To, mm-hmm. to find ways to save money and so it's not again you know it's not equitable because i don't like using the word that fair you get in trouble with that like fair according to whom but it's definitely not equitable right and you know what gabe i think that the vast majority of tennesseans and americans agree with you 
if you start and, – and listen, I know that there are a lot of uh, folks that will argue with us about a flat tax. Sure. For various reasons. Right. But when you talk to the average person – yeah, as long as they're all paying the same, that's rate, all they really want. That's man. all they really want. And so, mm-hmm. you know, this argument about how, like, um, you know, Bill Gates and and all these, you know, rich people pay a lower rate than others. I think most people are like, well, he does pay a lot more in taxes than me. He does as so, a percentage. Yeah. But you know, it's one of those things where I just think that they don't like to see it gamed. Is all right. I, I agree with you. Yeah. Right. Everybody wants at least the appearance of equity yes exactly mm-hmm. absolutely Let, let's move on because okay, we can stay forward. we can do you're a right, whole show right. about this gabriel <laughs> let's talk about the democrats i know you're an andrew Ooh, yang supporter man. i know what a know. disaster in iowa what'd you oh, think about that you know it's like if bernie hadn't thrown such a fit last time they might not have had this problem this time you know i mean really because right? he was upset with how it went and so yeah. he's part of the reason they came up with something better and i'm doing quotes and you can't hear that on a on a podcast but i'm doing quotes saying that they want he wanted something better and so they create this app that fails miserably yes right once again relying on technology and and we can get into that that's one of the things that i really like about andrew yang is his vision of the future and how technology is going to impact the future talk about that a little bit yeah so andrew yang uh he's uh, one of those guys that made a bunch of money from technology and he's got friends that make money from technology and uh he's worried about ai you know artificial intelligence and what it's going to do to the average person as far as affecting their ability to find work right right so when you because when you take uh artificial intelligence ai and you tie that with a robot yes you you know there's less work for humans to do isn't it true that that robots and uh, technology has actually replaced more workers than nafta did Probably so, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, well, I don't, you know, it's hard for me to make a a good, like, because I, you know, growing up in a place where I saw all the factories leave. Right. Like when Ross Pro talked about a giant sucking sound. Yeah. We heard it in Horse Cave. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, right. And, And so did these rural counties in Tennessee. And, you know, and another thing that I think hurts rural counties uh, that, and I don't, you and I may differ on this one, but is in raising the minimum wage. Okay. When you raise the minimum wage, what that does is that forces companies to be where they can be more productive mm-hmm. in larger cities and mm-hmm. things of that nature. And so no longer can you be out in the county taking advantage of lower, like, uh, you know, real estate values and things of that nature. Right. But if you would allow these, you know, I think that we need to have some type of where if you've had a high unemployment rate for a long time, you should get a break on that or something along sure. those lines, you know, so, because some people can't move. Yeah, well, that's that's a lot of it, and and my belief after touring a lot of rural counties is that it's all about the infrastructure first. Totally, you have to. We to your point about minimum wage, but to me, that's the cart before the horse. And you're right; it have could have an impact on smaller well, if, communities. If if that infrastructure was more equal, yes, then, then the wages would be far more equal. Well, if the infrastructure is there, the corporations will come there. That's well, right. Not just the corporations, the small but, businesses too. Sure, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, like inter, like, I, so I, I, most libertarians are like the government doesn't need to even make roads, right? We'll find the private sector will make the roads, and they would. They just 
might not be as good as we want them. But anyway, yeah. you know, so there are yeah. areas where I'm not like, I'm still, I've still got a little bit to learn, you know, as far as being a libertarian. Um, but I think that in the internet and getting like broadband yes. out into rural areas absolutely ought to be the number one focus of government at this That's point right. right now. Uh, right. These, these are legitimate functions of government that no one can argue yeah. about, I believe. Roads, uh, you know, yeah, trash, the, the clean is, water. At, at what point? does that burden become too much, right? So just, yes. Because you can easily go too far. Of course. But but at the minimum, yes, right? I tell people that um, if I had been born, you know, at the turn of the century, the 1900s, and, uh, you know, and all of Kentucky had had dirt roads, right, I might have been a, a quite a progressive wanting to pave those roads, right? Yeah, right. But now that we have paved roads, maybe, you know, we don't need as much paved road as we need fiber laid nowadays. Or, you know, That's just, right. It, 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 each community is different and has a, an assortment of different needs. Yes. Right? And, and so that's why we need a general pay. As a matter of fact, the president brought it up in the State of the Union. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that they can't get on the same page with that. They they can't, <laughs> um, uh, but that was one people would ask me all the time, uh, do you support uh, President Trump? And I would say, well, certain initiatives I do. Sure. Well, we'll name one, infrastructure. You know, when during the uh, speech that he gave, right, right. that Nancy Pelosi loved, um, yeah. <laughs> th- there were Democrats that were standing at yeah, times. Yeah, when he said those but things. But the camera would not allow you to see it. You right. caught it at the corners of the camera angle, right? And yes. so because there are some Democrats that, believe it or not, that are like you, right? Yeah, right. That, that, but the media doesn't put them out there. They're not media sure. darlings, right? right? And so uh, because the media wants people to fight. You know, oh, yeah, of course. Right? It sells newspapers, exactly. of course. I, I can tell you this. In 33 years of going to D.C. and various state houses around the country, I've yet to meet a Democrat say no to infrastructure. <laughs> now, that really won't surprise our Republican friends. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. But I've met lots of Republicans. Yes, sure, sure. And, uh, 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 you know, I always think about Fred Thompson. Fred Thompson said, we have to fund this. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, it just really depends on the person. And, it does. And, and so um, you gain a lot of insight watching your show. I, I mentioned that, Gabe. I want to ask you one more thing about the Democrats. All right. Are, are Democrats immoral? This came up on your podcast, and it wasn't wow. you that yeah. said that. It right. was one of sure. your guests, and I don't want to single them out. Yeah. But, I, well, yeah. you know, that's an interesting question. And yeah. uh, when I was younger, you know, 10, 12 years ago, when I first started paying attention to politics, I, th- I thought so. I really did. I thought so. Uh, in fact, there was a Democrat in, in this county that right. uh, was high up, you know, and very well respected, and still very well respected, just not in politics as much anymore. Um, and I said to him, how can you be a Christian and a Democrat? Right. I asked him that, and he got as red as possible. Man. Right. He got so He didn't upset. like that question, didn't like did he? That. Yeah. Because at the time, there were a lot of Democrats that were switching to a Republican in this county. Right, right? during the flip. And yeah. so, um, but he, he didn't want to do that. Right. Right, because he believed in the Democrat Party and believed in taking care of people. You know, like so he had reasons to stay there. And I, I told him, now, looking back on it, I get it. Yeah. And, uh, and he got so upset and, you know, st- and stormed away, right? And I was like, I was just making a joke. It's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, like, sure. right, it's how I felt. But then I, as I stepped back from it and looked at it, I'm like, man, how can I say that? How, you know, how right. can I really believe that? And, yeah, yeah. and so I changed. I wrote him a letter. 
saying I'm sorry and stuff. And now we've become great friends. Right. Because I see his heart and he sees mine as far as, you know, that we just care. Right? That's really going above and beyond, Gabe. And, and, and you know, I, some of the most pious people I know are Democrats. <laughs> sure. And uh, that, that what it says to me, I don't judge some people believe what they want to believe, but it's a manifestation of politics at the pulpit. Would you agree with that? I think that I really I, – not in the churches I've attended. Okay. I don't think so, – but, of course, I I attend more, I guess, you consider more progressive Methodist and Presbyterian sure. services. Sure. But I really – you know, but I, I know for one uh, that the Presbyterian pastor that I was underneath, you know, uh, in his congregation, um, he was a Republican. Right? right, but he did not bring politics into the church. Right, so so I don't think they were get. I don't think they're getting it from from the church. Actually, on Sundays, right, but but they're getting it from somewhere, and they're yeah. using the church. Does that make sense? It does. It you does. Know. And I, I ran into that, as you can imagine, a million sure. times. And it's and it is pretty offensive to people who do believe that they're moral people to be called immoral. But it's symptomatic of the problem in this country of us demonizing each other, and we sure. Do you agree? Well, just, I mean, yeah, how much further can we go, Gabe, if we don't start? You and I oh, disagree on a lot of things, but we're friends. We are. And um, I, there are a lot of people that can't be friends right now. I know. And that's it's a scary time. It really is. It's uh, alarming. We've seen this before. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and about 150 years ago. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I, I, I fear what that means for my children. Right. Absolutely. I expect it to get worse before it gets better. This whole point, I'm sure, of your show, of my show, why it's Mm -hmm. called Middle Ground, why mine is the man in the middle, because I think we both realize that if we don't start trying to bring people together, and of course I've sniped at Republicans and they've sniped at me. Sure, you're on Twitter, right? (laughs) Of course. But but I'm talking about real degeneration of other people and other candidates. It's really... Anyway, I well, just wanted to ask you about that. Like I that. said, I I did that before when I was younger, and I just uh, I've uh, matured. Right. I think sometimes um, when you see someone young doing that, you need to make sure that you reach out to them and and like let's go to coffee. Let's show that I'm a I'm a, I'm a human being just like you. Right. And, and we may disagree on some of the most important issues, like maybe abortion is really important to someone, right. or you know pro life, you know however you see it or whatever. But um, we're still human. Right, and we need right. to be able to talk through these things. Right. Well, well, I can tell you this. I think that both sides want as few abortions as possible. Uh, right. <laughs> so the only yeah. disagreement is, is you know, how do we get there, right? And, and of course, we've got a 40-year law that's been in place. It hasn't been overturned. Uh, will it ever be overturned? I, I You know, I don't... I hope, I mean, there's part of me, so, you know, I'm a pro-life libertarian, which, you know, so libertarians, we have like a, a big tent mentality on this. Sure. Uh, but I'm more of a, an evictionist. Okay. Right, which is kind of a interesting hypothesis about this. But basically, I believe that a woman, and I probably shouldn't have got on this subject. Okay, anyway, okay, well, but, we, we can, we can well, move on, Gabe, no, no, if you'd I'll like finish to. This, I'll okay. finish the thought up on it. Basically, I believe a woman has a right to her body, right? right? Yes. And so she has a right to evict whatever she wants out of her body, cut okay. it out or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I believe that the state has the duty to provide liberty for the people. Yes. Right. And so right. once that fetus or baby or whatever you happen to call it is away from the woman, then I believe the state has the duty to protect that being's liberty. Yeah. And so now right now, the soonest that we can, you know, 
grow a baby, right, is like, what, 22 weeks or something like that? Sure. But I think that with science, you're eventually going to see that get to a shorter and shorter date, right? Absolutely. And so I my you know i'm trying to thread the, this needle as it's best i can it's difficult right? isn't it yeah. and it is and that's why it's such a tough subject and all know? the women are out there will be saying here are two white men talking about abortion again right <laughs> you're so right so you so know right. are, are we even supposed to talk about it? of course we well, are it, it because it manifests in the rest of the politics look i i have six daughters right. so i have a right to talk about it absolutely it, right but yeah. but um but so I do believe that they have a right to say what goes on with their body. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. But then I also believe that some, I mean, you know, somebody ought to care for that. Yeah, for a living being, right. And I think being, most right. Democrats would agree with me once that baby is born. Absolutely. Right? Like, like they want to make sure that there are plenty of uh, benefits. Health care, food. Health care, all the things that uh, that child needs. Right. I just want to speed that up. I just wanted to start earlier. That's yeah, all, right. You know? uh, Chris Hale, my opponent in the primary, yes. he, he had a really great point on that. He said, I'm, I'm pro-life, too. He said, I'm just pro-life for the rest of their their entire sure, life. Sure, right, exactly. And yeah. and so I think he makes a really great point on that. But, I, the, you know, the issue on this, you and I, and no one in the 4th Congressional District and no one over here in the courthouse are ever going to impact this issue from no, a legal perspective. Not, not at a, you're right. There is no Planned Parenthood in Murfreesboro, the 4th Congressional District. Okay. Or an yeah. abortion clinic. Right. But it's still an issue here, Gabe. I know. You're right, because it well, manifests and itself. also, I think that both parties use it to drum up support. Of course they do. It's right? election and year. so they don't want it yeah. to go away either. Right. Right. They don't want to solve this problem. Right. They don't want it to go away. That's a great point. And one of the, another reason why I'm really disappointed in both parties right sure. now. Sure. Yeah. Gabe, that, that we talked about how that manifests. Let's move on to the impeachment proceedings. Okay. We saw a president uh, become impeached. Yes. Uh, we saw him acquitted. That's yeah. actually yesterday. Right. And um, and we saw one uh, Republican senator, Mitt Romney from Utah, the 2012 presidential nominee sure. for the Republican Party, vote to convict President Trump on these charges. What do you think about the reaction to Mitt Romney now? Have you seen any of this that's going on? Man, they're letting him have it, right? Savages. <laughs> yeah. You know, luckily, Mitt Romney has about $300 million that he can hide behind. So right. it's not like they can go to his doorstep right. and, and do these things to him, you know, bother him. Um, so he does have that luxury. Yes. To be able to right, like, so if a local Republican had come out like that, they wouldn't have that luxury to be able to hide away right right? and so so he has the luxury of being able to speak his conscience right Mm -hmm. i also think that he's getting on up in the years right and so he's worried about what his legacy is going to look like right and uh saw this as a chance to seal his legacy as a person who stands on these principles man of conviction right exactly yeah yeah. trying to be like his dad i think i think so too he said in the speech he knew it wasn't going to change anything right but he had to go with his conscience. And, um, you know, I, will there be blowback for the Republicans for the treatment of Mitt Romney, John McCain, um, other any Republican that defies Trump, Bill Kristol? Will there be – David French? David French comes to mind right, right here sure. in Williamson County. Yeah, I think that uh, there will be blowback on those people who go against the party of Trump. Yes, but, but is this a long-term strategy? You know, politics thinks two years at a yeah, time, right? Right. So, yeah. I, I mean, you know, it'll be the Republican Party won't be the same right. in six years, 
from now, right? It won't. Right. It'll, um, and, but that's there's technology is going to change a lot in sure. the next six years. There's so many issues that are going to cause the change, but one of them is that you know Trump will be gone, and then there'll be this huge void left, right? Mm-hmm. And so you wonder how is that going to affect the bench, right? The, as far as like the people who are going to run next for offices and things of that nature, it'll be it's going to be interesting. You know, I think that the um, you're seeing that play out similarly in the Democrat Party right now. The the bench for who's to run for president, pretty thin, really. Yeah, I, and it's, so, and that's, that's why, why the Democrats are struggling. They can't get a front runner, right. Right, you know, because it's, you know, a mayor of a town the size around Murfreesboro is one of the front runners to be the United States president, right? And so pretty mar- remarkable. Pretty remarkable, and he is a remarkable guy. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Oh no doubt, he's but, an impressive person. Yeah, you, but yeah, but resume wise, right? It's a little lacking, in my opinion, to be president. It, it, it is concerning. It well, is because concerning. I worry. Does he have like the most important thing, in my opinion, when you get to that office? Is do you have the Rolodex right. for the job? Right? No, do you have the contacts? No kidding. Because right? so you may not know, but I ran for governor, right? And people were like, "Are you really running for governor?" I'm like, "No, no, I'm just running because they won't let libertarians on the ballot, so I'm on the ballot." And um, but if I was, you know, I had these nightmares of waking up that I had won, right? You know, it was like pulling some movie stunt, you know, and. I was like, I don't know who I'd call, right? Because you got all these positions to fill. Right. And so who would you call? And so that's where I, what I worry about him is who's he going to call? That's a very – that is that is a great point about Mayor Pete. Um, Donald Trump has a 60% approval rating in Tennessee right now. The latest poll came out about a week ago. <laughs> would you believe that, Gabe? In Tennessee, yes. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Tennessee, Alabama, some right. of these, like, you know, ruby red states. I'm like, yes, I believe it. Um you know, I think if he would, if he could learn to control himself, <laughs> right? I, I, I think he could be because you know the thing is like so when he's speak doing it did his uh, State of the Union speech, right. there are a lot of things in there that Democrats have been wanting for years, yes. right? Yes. But because it's Trump saying them, they're like, Psh, we can wait. We can yeah. Write. And or, or, or they're saying they're yet. part of those four hundred and fifty bills that are sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk. Right. That, See, here's the thing. Yes. Mitch McConnell knows that if he brings those to a floor to the floor for a vote, they're gonna pass, they pass. and he knows the president's gonna sign them. That's right. That's exactly right. So there's there's tension in the Republican Party. Right. Right. Trump is a transactional person. He wants to deliver. Yes. Yes. He's he's your true populist politician yeah right and right. so he just used the republican party of to course. become president yes right everybody knows he's yeah. not really a republican i i couldn't agree or an old republican or whatever they're you called know, yeah but he is now right you know right and, well in tennessee all it takes to be a republican is to vote voted twice in the last two of the three primaries right. as a republican right and you are a republican in tennessee right and you, so, you can run for office right right and so i'm guessing yeah, that right. he passed some type of threshold sure in new york in new york is probably the, the they check your heartbeat and that's about it you yeah know? especially you sure you for a republican, be a republican? Right, so, yeah. right yeah <laughs> you know the other remarkable thing that i found was the um uh the senators who voted to convict the president mm-hmm. represent 18 million more people than the senators who acquitted the president. That's an interesting number. This gives fuel to the electoral college argument and proportional representation. I know these are tough questions, Gabe. I'll never forget the first time a reporter asked me this question. I'm like, what do I care about Wyoming for, right? but, But it does make a lot of sense. Should we change the electoral college, Gabe? 
we would have to have a constitutional convention. Is that right? I believe so, to mm-hmm. change that. It'll, so, that'll never happen. Well, never say never, right? Yeah, I mean, right. but so the issue is, in my opinion, if you change the deal, right, right, do some of these small states go, well, okay, then we want out. We want to pull a Brexit. That's right. Right? Uh, because, you know, yes, they do get a little bit more say, right? Mm-hmm. But then again, they could just leave, maybe, right? You know, and so that's the and real We fought issue, that battle right? 150 years ago, we did, right? right? I hope exactly. we learned that lesson. Well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think we learned that lesson, right? We learned some other lessons that needed to be learned, right? right? About freedom and value of, you know, personhood. And Humanity, that nature, right? right? Exactly. Uh, but as far as the, this issue, mm-hmm. I don't think we, we really covered that one. Yeah, you know? well, I think that's a great point. And once again, one of the more worrisome things uh, sure. that's happening out there and more of the reason why your voice needs to be heard. And yours. Everywhere. Because we have, and, and listen, I'm not talking about the bar, bipartisan stuff. I'm not saying we can't not disagree. No, I right. I think that what it's important is that we're able to show how to disagree. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You, we'll you demonstrated that very right? well at the Murfreesboro Electric Department. I tried really hard on that you, you delivered a very good speech that Thank night, you. and I think that you did it in a way that was not offensive to any of the council members, or I didn't think that I would have been My offended. wife stays on me, you know. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. I hear that. So so let me ask you about the yeah. local, uh, Gabriel. Yeah, let's talk. I, lo- I love right. local well, stuff. Well, well first off, Sorry. any aspirations for you? Well, you ran for governor? Yeah, <laughs> right, I ran for governor. <laughs> right. yeah. uh, and I'm in the blue book, man. How cool is Are you in the blue book? I am, yeah. yeah. See, how cool yeah, is that, yeah, right? right? What the, so the great thing is, when you know, when I'm 75 and I got all these grandchildren around me, I get to talk about how when I ran for governor, you know? But, um, right, right. I, right. I, I, I care about Murfreesboro because mm-hmm. I am from a small town, right. right, where there were no jobs for me to stay, right? And so now I'm out to see my kids my parents grandparents grandchildren right for them to see them they have to get in the car and drive two and a half hours and you know my dad's back hurts right my mom's neck hurts when, when they get there and you know and and so and that's because the people that were leading hart county did not focus on the future in my opinion right they, they were not making good decisions to grow that economy to keep the kids that were being raised there to stay there, right? Yeah. And so I care about making sure that we have manageable growth that we can keep going so that my kids have jobs here so my kids can raise my grandkids nearby so I can see them and not have to get in the car and drive two and a half hours. Or on a plane and fly four hours. Exactly right. Or whatever it may be. who knows what, right? Right. Or what you said about the dollar happens in the debt, then we got to fly to China. So, yeah, right, 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 or New Zealand, I'm right. thinking, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, well, so so any aspirations, you don't want to reveal anything, do you, Gabe? I mean, <laughs> I think a lot of folks would, would support you if well, you decided you to know, run for something local I, or I even. Am, I, I'm, I, I'm interested in the city council, okay. like making sure that we have, like the, the last time these three guys ran, right, mm-hmm. no one ran against them. Right. And so there, and I think there's value in competition for a seat, right? I think that it makes people feel, uh, well, it gets them out campaigning, so they get to know their constituents, right? Yeah. And and then they also care about keeping it, and like there's some value to it. But when you walk in and you just get it handed to you, 
you may care about it a little bit, but I don't think you, you'll care about, about it as much as if you had to fight for it. I, I think that's a great point. You know, when I ran as a Democrat in a very Republican red district, <laughs> sure. yeah. folks looked at me that knew me like, oh, my gosh, you've, you've lost your mind. But but we had a pleasant experience. It was Yes. A drag. I yeah. mean, it was well, a, a, a it's very no fun tough, to lose. <laughs> right, right. It's, right. Of it's course, not. it's not. But people, even the people that don't agree, you, you learn so much. Yes. And and I've said that about after both uh, campaigns was that um, what I was thankful for was what I learned from my neighbors. Yeah, yeah. And getting to know and the relationships were formed. So to your point, that's exactly right. If you just walk into a seat unopposed, you have no appreciation for how hard you and what other people's ideas may be. That's right. That's exactly right. And so, um, so, you know, I'm pretty close to deciding whether or not I'm going to run for city council. Okay. Um, but I've got some other things that I'm working on, um, that I'm very excited that I'll be revealing soon that, that may, may make it where that doesn't matter as much to me. And so we'll see how that goes, but, but I am paying attention to what this city's doing, right. And how they're ignoring a lot of different sections of our city. Um, do you, you support know, district representation here I in the city? I do support district representation. Um, I think that expanding the council is it's beyond time for that. I mean, our city has quadrupled in size since we first selected seven people to, to represent us, right? And so I think that w- that needs to grow uh, because there are just lots of different problems in different areas. And if you don't live in that area, you don't see that problem. You know, back to you our point about campaigning. Exactly right, mm-hmm. and so um, it's just I just feel like there's a disconnect between our current council members and the people they represent. Yeah, fantastic, Gable. I'll, I'll, we'll we'll help you any way we can in Thank that. You. I, we appreciate. It. We know how. I know how much it takes to run for office. Well, and what a citywide stressor. race. You're right. To, to run a citywide race here when you're not from here, right? right um, it's going to cost me at least thirty thousand dollars. Sure. Right. I mean, that's college education for one of my kids, you know, right? right? I mean, so it's uh, it's quite an endeavor to run. And so, you know, and so districts, if we can get districts, that'll lower the cost, right? right? It'll increase the represent, like increase the, uh, the representation that's for the individual. Good for democracy. It's really good for democracy. Mm-hmm. And I just, um, I can't, I can't find a reason to be against it. Okay. You know, and so if, if, if anyone out there has a reason to be against it, then please answer Fancher on Twitter or find me on Facebook. Let me know because I want to hear that so that way I can think this through and, and figure things out. Absolutely. And isn't that amazing? Um, uh, you know, yeah, it's obvious you want to be transparent. You want people's feedback. Should sure. I? Should not? Right. So I, I really respect that. Um, last thing, Gabe, I've kept you for about 45 minutes here. Let's go. Um, oh, good. Talk about your podcast a little bit more if you want to promote it here real fast. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I started the Middle Ground podcast many years ago. And, it, I, you know, sometimes I'll do a bunch of episodes and I won't do many. But what I have been focusing on is uh, on Facebook using the Facebook Live feature where I bring on different guests. I try to focus mostly on local politics because there's not a lot of coverage on what's going on locally. And so I try to, you know, bring attention to it like I did with the Murfreesboro Electric Department. And that thing's not over yet right like so we'll see how that goes but uh you know i think that we need more voices more eyeballs paying attention to what's happening here locally you know you uh, had that um that uh rezoning and things of that nature that took place off of new salem mm-hmm. and that really is going to negatively affect a lot of people that live there and you know 
and bring more people like we need more people in this town bring mm-hmm. more people to this town you know right. i tell people all the time i'm not completely against growth i'm not right because i know what it's like to be in a town that's not growing right, right. but you want it manageable you want it slow and manageable mm-hmm. and then you don't end up with flooding issues like what we're dealing with right now right mm-hmm. because you've taken your time and you've done things right and when you're growing super fast you end up with um really bad intersections right mm-hmm. and you end up with really bad flooding problems right and and a lot and a host of other problems and a too. host of others but those are like some that yes people are listening to this at five o'clock they're going to be like hey yeah, we do have a lot of bad intersections. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Gabe, thank you so much for joining me on the My Man pleasure. in the Middle podcast. Thank it's you. been a real pleasure uh, interviewing you today, and I wish you the best of luck in whatever decision that you make. I know that uh, you're going to contribute to this county and to this country thank you. Uh, for a long, long time. Uh, Gabriel Francher, thank you for joining us on the Man My in the pleasure. Middle. Thanks. I'm Stephen Reynolds. We'll be right back. Podcast Season 2, Episode 1. I'm Stephen Reynolds, your host. Once again, we want to thank Gabriel Fancher for that fantastic interview. Uh, you know, once again, folks, uh, different ideologies, uh, but so many things in common. I really appreciate the candor uh, that Gabriel gave us in that interview. I hope you did, too. You know, there's uh, uh, politics being turned on its head since 2016, as everybody knows, and so all of the conventional theory seems to be going out the window. One of those conventional theories is about the swing voter. And some people say that swing voters don't exist, that everyone has already made up their mind, and the percentage of swing voters don't decide elections. I just can provide so many examples to show that that's not true. Uh, but suffice it to say that you're going to see a lot of different techniques uh, polls and things that are taken in this election cycle that we've never seen before. And uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how all of this turns out, especially in November of 2020. I hope that everyone's listening is encouraging their friends and neighbors to get out to vote. And let's save this republic, folks. I'm Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. I'll see you next week. Stuck in the middle with you